Yo, it's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Oh, it's uh, me also, Tom. Yeah, I stole it from you. What's yeah. up? George Thorogood.mp3 is just what? what's going on. <laughs> That's his rap name. I love it, man. That's so... It makes sense, too, man. It's great. He's back for the second week. Happy New Year all over again for the second time. That's right. I'm J-Wall. not I'm not elite high-quality dot waves like all you whatever you're doing crypto motherfuckers out there. Yeah. I, in, in your fucking NFT yachts. Yeah. I, I tried to download a Cannibal Corpse <laughs> album and got Justin instead on LimeWire. That's right. You guys seem cool now. You were like, you came in strong. I just said, hey, you come in all rapping. That's yeah. right. You're the voice of reason, Tom. Shit. What, Tom... What's reasonably going on? Oh, God, you know, not much. I'm just, I'm still the lo-fi girl cosplaying as the lo-fi girl as I study. Yeah, just, uh, okay. Love it. Yeah. Good. No one loves that. Yeah. Wish you, I wish you the no best. No one loves that. That's sick. The I internet you... loves that, but no one yeah. in person loves that. That's yeah. real time. Reddit, That's real. Reddit loves that. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Justin, what's, up? what's going on? They we don't... got a lot to catch up on yeah. with you. They don't have high heel ice skates for a reason. That's what's up. Wow. They don't have it for yeah, a reason. You break your neck. What the, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, I'm I'm so I'm so jazzed off right now. I swear what, to God. What have you been smoking? What's going on? I uh listen, I stayed up late the other night. Yeah. Cause I've been going to bed early. You're an adult. I'm a tired person. You're, so I've been going I've been going to bed early. I stayed up till midnight. Damn. Twelve AM. Mm. Stayed up till till the next day. Wait, not waiting. I created my account on New York State. Uh, parks and conservation website. Oh, a certain sort of uh, fishing pass was going on sale, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "All right, I got all my information in the text document. Mm-hmm. Gonna copy paste through the things real quick." My man. And listen, I feel bad about doing this because I was I was Go. one of the clowns trying to get the PS5 and all them drops. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I yeah. thought I thought I was the only one with Twitter, and then like somebody would do a tweet and be no. like. Yo, it's gonna be it's gonna be on like Walmart right now, and I go there and be like, bop, bop, bop. and it's like you don't have you're you're out of luck. They yeah, you're never you are many milliseconds. So as soon as the clock hits midnight, I go zip zap boom, Comset fishing pass. There's only five hundred of them. They uh-huh. sell out in uh-huh. ten minutes uh-huh. every year. Uh-huh. They're doing online only less this than year. ten. They sell out in one minute, bro. So I go boom, confirmation. What? I'm in. Got you got it. it. Got it. Fucking got it. Refreshing. So did I. I got mine. You did. I did it too. No, you did. Yes, I did. What? Sunday night. What? Got mine. Comset pass, limited to 500. It's going down. 2022. Holy shit. Driving the Jeep all the way down there. We can both do it. Hell yeah. Oh my God, dude. Bro. I'm so. Uh. Yeah, Sunday night, I was on point. I had the shit all fucking written out. I was ready to go. I had my cell phone with like the. Um, I was counting so you could see the seconds Same. as it turns midnight. Same thing. I had the world I said, clock. They're not getting me. Bro. For years, you had to go up there at 3 a.m., yeah. line up in the freezing cold on January 2nd, There's and no wait chance. for hours to get that pass. Now they just do it all in one second on the internet at midnight. Anyone from out of state, anyone from all over the world, Jan Rademacher from Stuttgart, Germany, could get a Comset fishing pass. It's and a God free bless him. He would, he would drive us down there and let us go fishing yeah. with him. He's a good man. He's people, a good man. People just get him just to fuck with people over here, I swear. Oh, they do, man. Those... those, those yeah. Shots of Queens in Brooklyn all day. But listen, don't come out here and steal our fishing passes. Enough. I can't believe it. Because, you know, you know the thing. I got it. And then refresh the page. It was sold, sold out. Sold out, yeah. yeah. And like, I got to be like a minute. Bro, not even. My, I, look, I had to. If you misspelled your name, you're, you're fucked. You're done. Uh. My mom was set up on the computer to get my dad's. I was set up on my laptop to get my. And I'm like, in real time, like we had walkie talkies. Mm. I'm like, mom. We, you know, the second that second drops, you got to drop the hammer and click and refresh and do the whole deal. 
I'm telling 10 minutes is being very generous. That bitch sells out in 30 seconds. You yeah. got to be on there. I can't believe it. Yeah, if you're on there like two seconds after midnight, you're done. You're my, not getting a parking My pass. father, 60 years old, he's been trying to get it for 30 years. Jesus. Never gotten it once. Wow. Damn. Well, yeah, they also never been more proud of me, which is great. That's a huge plus for me. You love your dad. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I proved my love for my father by getting a parking pass for a private fishing spot this year. That's Man. what I, yeah, it's great. That we're probably going to not use. We're going to use it like twice. It's, you know, it's depressing. I no, listen. I'm going to catch nothing. I love it. I'm but as I stand there on the waves, oh, man, I'm sweating. In a regal pose, letting the wind caress my thinning out I'm skin fade. Call. I don't I'm have do long hair. I cut my hair. I'm doing a call and response with you. So I just yeah. yeah I, I I I'm going to be holding my fishing pole mm-hmm. and and striking it in the distance, catching fish. And as I reel it in, I'll be reminiscent of the uh, elegance of the natural guitarist Sonny Lombardozzi. Formerly of incantation, currently of arise from worms as he licks and shreds his way through life. He's tonight's guest. We're going to get all the way down to it, uh, including his career as a music teacher, his brand new veritable super group that he's in with Steve Tucker of Morbid Angel and Flo Monier of Cryptopsy, and some of his storied history in the death metal community. Let's shred. Can't wait. Do you guys say that before you fish? Let's shred. I will now. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm here with my loyal co-host, Tom. Yo, yo. And tonight our special guest is none other than Sonny Lombardozzi, uh, guitar virtuoso known for his work with Incantation and upcoming project Arise from Worms. Did I get that correct, sir? Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, Sonny, there's a lot to go through um, in your history uh, and your upcoming um, work, if people aren't aware of, but we always start from the very top. Um, I, I know, actually, I do have to credit that Metal Interview podcast. Uh, you recently did an appearance on on that platform, and um, I got to give them credit. I, th- I thought he did a great interview with you, and I used that as research, as well as Infernal TV's YouTube channel. So uh, it's kind of skipping over having you repeat yourself. Um, we do know that you kind of pick up guitar at around 10 years old, uh, and the movie Crossroads by Steve Vai plays a big part in that, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, my, uh, mom and dad came home with a VCR, you know, when that was brand new. (laughs) And, uh, that was the movie that they got, and we put it in, and as soon as I seen that ending, man, that's, that's all it wrote right there, you know, that, that big guitar battle thing at the end there. (laughs) That's awesome, man! I love it. Oh yeah, I yeah. Love, I love that. That actually, ins- I mean, that inspired. That probably inspired. Have you in your travels? Have you met other people who might have been inspired by that specific movie? Uh oh yeah yeah yeah. You know, especially that people that are the age you know, mm-hmm. but even uh, younger people. Um, I think I just seen a video of that girl that plays uh, guitar for Alice Cooper and uh, Nita or something. I think her name is. 
Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, she said that. Yeah. yeah, she said that that totally launched her uh, career too. That I was listening to, and I says, "Wow, isn't that crazy?" You know, so <clears throat> that that definitely started it, and I think that's actually what started the movie. Actually, started me pursuing classical guitar. You know, because I was like, "Well, if he learned it in the movie, I got to go learn it." You know, so it was just kind of like a whole chain chain reaction there. You know, so. <clears throat> Because it had, you know, the, the classical in the beginning of the movie, then he wanted to be a blues player, and then at the end it's a big shred, uh, you know, uh, fest going on at the end. So it just covered a wide, wide variety. So I just felt that I needed to do that wide variety of, of music, you know. <clears throat> and Okay, and you, ki- and you kind of, that, that's, that's a, that brings us to, like, when we talk about your work in Incantation and your work in Ari- Arise from Worms, I think that speaks to a wide variety going in there but before we get to all that just to get a little taste of where you're from um i mean we don't don't want your social security number or anything but what where are you from originally what part of the country uh erie pa i live uh right on lake erie actually i'm that little little edge at the top of pennsylvania there so i've been here all, all my life i mean i've moved here and there but i've always come back to home base you know so okay and was that more of like a rural part of pennsylvania um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's industrial thing back in World War II, you know what I mean? Between Cleveland and Erie and Buffalo. So it was kind of like on that chain of, uh, of, uh, factories when, when all that was real big, uh, you know, during the war back then, you know, so they turned all the factories into metal clubs, you <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those buildings still stand, but now they're just rock and roll clubs, you know? <clears throat> I've seen I've seen some similar things in Pittsburgh and upstate New York like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh's a little bit. Pittsburgh's about maybe, oh, maybe two hours away. Maybe you know, Cleveland's an hour. Buffalo's about an hour and a half. You know, so I'm kind of like right in the middle of all those places. You know, <clears throat> so I, TV. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's an easy driving distance to a lot of shows because that not too many shows come here. You know, so he can always go to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, or Buffalo for for concerts. You know, so awesome. Yeah, well, that that's something. I I think it was actually, it might have been. Uh, we'll get to your your your. You're actually um, endorsed by Halo Custom Guitars, if I got that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got quite a few endorsements. I've been with the companies. God, over ten years now. Some of these guys, you know, I'm not really an endorsement jumper. Uh, like a lot of guys are, you know, they're like, oh, this company's offering this, so I'm leaving this and going with that, you know, and that's what a lot of guys end up doing, and they're playing uh, gear that they don't even want to play, <laughs> you know, because they just want the endorsement and the exposure and, and stuff like that, but uh, I've probably been with Halo since 2008, um, EMG probably 2009, uh, Mangan Strings about the same time, Morley Pedals about the same time, uh, Spider Energy Drinks. I've been with them for uh, a while. Energy Drinks. So, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so funny. I was out at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California. And, uh, you know, you, you play every so so many hours at the uh, VOOFs. You know, to they want you to play the product. You know, that's why they bring you out. Yeah. So, but I just remember I was so tired. I'm sitting there I'm like, oh, my God, man, how am I going to get through this, you know? 
So this guy, uh, Pete, he comes along, uh, and he's wearing the spider energy shirt, you know, and he had a couple cans. He goes, here, drink one of these dudes. You'll be able to shred for days. <laughs> so, so I drank one and I was like, holy shit. You know, I was like, he was right. So yeah, I've been with him forever. And, uh, Oh man, just pedal companies and, and amp companies and, and, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But I only go with the companies if I truly believe, um, in the product, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to use it and just not take a picture with it and say I'm endorsed. And then you see me on stage and I'm like, well, that ain't the same gear. And a lot of guys do that. Yeah, wow. for the, um, the listeners, pay attention. You should watch when you go to your concerts and, and try to match it up. With yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. You know, and then if you invite, invite your artist rep out, you got the wrong energy drink on stage, man. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, the, so. the whole reason I bring that up, it's funny that uh, because the Halo guitar thing on their website, you did an interview, and I read through that that your first guitar was like a it was a, a Norman with an on off switch, and it was like it was kind of a um it was it was lovingly used to put it lightly, I guess. Yeah, I got. Uh, it was funny how it, actually I got my first guitar is is uh, my grandmother passed away, and we were moving her stuff up from Florida. And we had a big trailer and everything. And I says, well, hey, what, you know, let's take this shortcut through here instead of doing the big, you know, big loop of the main highways. And that was a big mistake because we ended up blowing tires and transmission and all that shit. It was just going through the hills, you know. So we stopped at this flea market. There was a guitar in this little amp there for 20 bucks and we bought it. And that was actually my first uh, first guitar and amp. Yeah. And that uh, and then right after I had it, you know, I was just kind of twinging on it a little bit. And then uh like I said, that movie Crossroads came out a little bit later, and then, yeah, that's all it wrote, you know? And then I uh, took guitar lessons I wanted for my birthday, and I never missed a lesson in five years when my mom was uh, paying for it, you know, when I was a teenager. And uh, I'd walk in the rain, snow, everything, you know? And then uh, she finally worked a bunch of overtime, got me got me a, a kind of a really decent guitar, and then, then I could really play a little better <laughs> because... Original one, man, that was rough. <laughs> do, do, you, do you do you feel that guitar as a kid was um, an escape in some way? Where was was it? Um, uh, uh, you know, because I'm speaking, uh, you know, as some I grew up myself in in kind of uh, a blue collar environment um, here in Long Island, New York, and uh, I I like mm -hmm. I've, I've heard you. I had a re in an interview. I believe it was the interview with that metal interview. You you said quite candidly, a friend remarked that you live in the ghetto, and you say I you know I still live in the ghetto even though I um you know I make this music, and you might see pictures of me playing a guitar. Um, you you recall that? Oh yeah, 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 Cause, yeah. Because yeah. I'm respectfully, I'm getting at that, and we've spoken to other guests who have grown up in harder backgrounds. So that's where that's where I'm coming from asking you if you feel like guitar was in some way an escape or a way to maybe um, avoid some of the pitfalls of growing up in, in a harder environment. Oh, yeah, yeah, because um, when I really took to it, um, we had music classes at, at regular high school, you know, and middle school. Um, they ended up pulling me out of my regular classes, and I just did music all day. And uh, that that was just unheard of because I was such a 
little hellion at the time, you know, the, the teachers were just glad to get rid of me, but this, <laughs> this guitar thing I could play and do, you know, and, uh, uh, it was funny cause I was leaving high school and, uh, I didn't even know how to write a friggin' check, but, but I could write music, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I actually had to go back to get my GED in school like that because I couldn't get into, uh, music school later on without a GED, you know, so I had to go take math classes and reading classes and all that stuff because all I did was music as a kid, you know, it was, I could write all the, you know, completely, uh, tab it all out and all that stuff with, with the note notation and all that stuff, but, uh, couldn't read a goddamn thing on a piece of paper, you know? <clears throat> do you, uh, still practice that today? Like with your writing, do you still use traditional notation or do you like tab stuff out or kind of just track and go? Um, well, that's a good question. The, um, well, we have this CP coming out January 14th, but we're already doing the full length follow-up to this already. And, um, the last song that I just wrote for this full length, which, you know, probably won't come out till, uh, next Christmas or the, you know, um, took me two months to write that. And I wrote it all on paper before I even touched it on, on the guitar. Wow. And, That's uh, awesome. I think it's, Flo was actually saying, he goes, this is probably one of the best tunes I think he ever wrote. Uh, and uh, man, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time every day, uh, seven days a week. I was on that song, um, for yeah, two months and I wrote it all down on paper. I just had it in my head and, uh, then slowly started, you know, on paper, it's a little harder to play. <laughs> you know? So yeah. uh, it took me, took me a while. I was like, all right, I got to rehearse this now. Uh, cause sometimes when I'm writing it on paper, my imagination's just going so crazy. Um, that some of the patterns are really hard to play or, or uh, you know, some of the stretches might be a little hard to play and you might have to move certain things here and there. <clears throat> yeah, you're not really thinking practicality when you're yeah, you know, what's in your brain. Yeah, you know, sitting on a guitar, you see your your four fingers moving. Oh, yeah, do that. I'll move around and I'll do that, you know. But when you're writing it on paper, you're really stretching that out. And There's one part I couldn't determine. If I wanted a minor seventh flat five or a minor seventh with a sharp five. <laughs> and I beat myself up over a week over that. You know what I mean? And I would record it both ways. And I was like, I don't know. And then I would come back a couple of days later and I go, the sharp five sounds better. You know what I mean? And then I would move on to the song. And then every time I would have a new part to the song, I would rewind it and listen to it from the beginning to make sure it flows uh, good, you know? Right. It's funny how, like, you can uh, put together, you know, an endless amount of notes and then you just get stuck on one, I suppose. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was this one little thing. It was just uh, this one little break. And I just couldn't determine if I wanted a a flat five or a sharp five there, you know. And then I think I ended up using the sharp five and then put it an added ninth note on it, um, which really gave it a a unique sound there. So it took a while to learn how to play that one. But uh, that answered your question. <laughs> wow. Sure did. A, a lot there. Okay. Are, are there uh, musicians in your family or, or in your upbringing older than yourself? Like, does music run in your family, or, or are you just kind of like the musician? You just kind of came came up with it? No, uh, I come from a big biker family. <clears throat> uh, my dad um, had a, 
used to race old old harleys like the really really old ones and uh the shop was underneath the house and uh of course there'd be hendrix blasts and all they worked third shift on all these old harleys so there'd be hendrix blasts and all night long and and the doors and all that stuff and um <clears throat> so i think a lot of it came from that era you know my mom was a, a hippie back in the day um so you know we had all those albums and so i think music was just constantly blasting when i was a baby and i think this is how i you know got into it you know because they never turned the stereo down from what my mom said <laughs> <laughs> so, so i probably got hear, hearing damage and didn't even know it you know but uh but yeah i'm the only one that plays <clears throat> uh, out of the whole family so uh everybody else is a grease monkey you know from wow. the back in the day that old term in the 70s you know <laughs> that that's kind of an interesting segue to something else i wanted to ask you about because um again referencing the that metal interview you talked about how halo actually made you a guitar whose paint job was inspired by a very old school drag racer's car it's uh, metal flake candy apple uh yeah guitar yeah mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you a little bit like about about like the local drag racing uh you know like is like like scene and because that's that's where <clears> i'm <throat> in long island new york up here and there's it's to the point where like uh, there's bumper stickers that say li needs a drag strip that's like a very common thing it's a big thing up here and drag racing is a big thing i just want to ask you a little bit about the culture down there and if that's something you grew up around uh yeah there's um there's a drag uh drag racing track here um i think it's one of the last oldest in the country because uh, the cars started going too fast for the track you know the track was just not up to date and safe for everybody but they still go out on the sundays uh a lot of the old timers and race those old gassers you know <laughs> um so i would go out there and uh you know because i was a big uh drag racing fan you know the Stuff like that. And, of course, they'd always have bands play, too. So that's why I'd go to see the bands play, you know. And, uh, you know, of course, all the normal stuff, hot dogs, hamburgers going, you know, basically country hillbillies rocking, you know. Um, but that's where I seen that 50, uh, I believe it was a 56 Chevy, 55 or 56 Chevy. And it was just glowing in the in the sun. And, uh, and I said, I got glass that old timer, you know. What, what color that is and everybody was like dude he's not gonna tell you you know how old timers keep everything secret <laughs> you know but uh yeah he told me about it and then uh i sent the uh <clears throat> thing to halo and we had that signature guitar that's coming out this month and uh i was like well let's do some cool colors and uh so i sent them the uh the the color of it and they matched it they could match it perfectly and uh so that's what we did, yeah. And the prototype, they matched it, too. And I took that on tour for, like, maybe three three years I was with NCAN with that thing. And I tell you what, every live shot, every concert, man, I mean, that thing would just pop like the sun was sitting there, <laughs> you know. I mean, it just, every everybody, I mean, it's, all the European guys just loved it. It was like, oh, my God, that friggin' color, dude. It just pops like you wouldn't believe. I mean, you just see it. That's, like, red, you know. And, uh yeah, it came out good. It's real thick paint too, so it doesn't chip so easy like um, normal guitars, you know. Because um, you can feel it; it's a it's a heavy coating on there, you know. Uh, but like I said before, it definitely smells like a new car wow. when you pull it out of the guitar case because you can just smell that fresh 
paint compared to the normal guitar lacquer, which is real thin. You know, you see guys that the paint's all chipped up and their guitars look like a hell because that paint's really thin. <clears throat> you know, that's why they chip so easy, you know. That's interesting, man. I like that. That's like uh like the you know, rappers are always talking about like getting their cars dipped and can't you know, candy color this and all that. Like it's kinda you kinda got the edge on a lot of the in, other uh, endorsed guitarists that way. No no one thinks about yeah, the, paint, I guess the paint job. I can kind of I guess I could kinda of be like a rapper, hold my guitar instead of uh, a car, <laughs> you know, and well, yeah, you know, everyone's got tell all the bros. Know. This is what I got. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. you know, you can talk about your pickups and your headstock and all that, but who's talking about their paint? You know, that's that's a that's your end right there, man. I like yeah, it. Man. Yeah. Well, well, I I got I I did happen to write it down though, just just uh, in case anyone wants to know what what goes beyond the paint though. It's if I got this right, correct me if any of this is wrong. It's the Artemisia signature guitar, uh, mm-hmm. twenty five frets, seven strings. Walnut, maple, ash, black, chrome pickups. Tom, Tom, if you want to chime in um, and tell me what any of this means, I'm I'm not such such a guitarist, but I want our listeners to be aware of all this. Um, well, it is. You know, I, I want to be uh, conscious of the listeners. I know a lot of them don't understand a lot of these things. Uh, it's technical, um, but yeah, having 25 frets that's pretty unique. Seven strings pretty popular now. Um, we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, it's it's. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Halo's site right now, and it looks like their work is just fantastic. I kind of want to get one of these. Um, yeah, yeah, it's got but, the uh, it's got the pale moon fretboard on it. Um, it's where you actually can see the the knots and the stuff in the wood. You know what I mean? So it'll be like kind of like a maple look but then you can kind of see like the you ever like cut through a tree and you can see like the black and the knots and the wood and everything you know what i'm talking about instead of a straight smooth wood they added that they added all that in the fretboard uh which is kind of really unique yeah so it uh that came out good and then uh the scalp it's all scalloped uh the fretboard and then uh Kaler tremolos put their tremolos on it usa made tremolos and uh <clears throat> yeah it just uh it's coming out really good you know we talked about this for years um and stuff like that it's neck through and the huge cutaway in the back and, <clears throat> and uh real shredding machine something real yeah cool. and it, it had to last that's what i told him i was like let's, let's not put together a piece of junk you know and uh it, it i says i took that you know the prototype out on the road like i said for like three years and I never had a problem with it at all. Not even a volume knob or a switch went bad on it, uh-huh. you know. And everybody would would hold my guitar, you know, like, dude, this is like holding a friggin' tree, <laughs> you know. Because I like really heavy guitars, and most guitars today they're they're just cheap pine or or pressed together particle board, and you know they weigh like a feather, you know. And then uh, you pick up mine, and you're holding like maybe twelve pounds, you know. <laughs> Awesome. So they're uh, you're definitely holding a piece of tree, you know. I mean, it, you could feel it, you know. You could just feel it. That's that's yeah. what I, I like. I like heavy guitars because I have a, I like that really thick tone, and I think that really thick tone sound c- comes from a lot of those older guitar players from maybe the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, where the tone was just really, really thick, not so much thinned out like nowadays, you know. Uh, right. Um, 
when did you uh, start playing uh, the scout fretboards? Like that's uh, I've never actually played those, but I hear once you pick those up, you can't really go back. Oh, that is true. Yeah, I there was a music store here called Markham's Music, and when I was a wee little lad, about fourteen, fifteen, I walked in there, and there's an Ingve Mountstein sitting on the wall. And it had the scallop fretboard on it. And I didn't even know what that was. You know, like I said, I said, that ah, just looks cool. Um, so they liked me so much that I mowed grass and shoveled sidewalks for two years and made payments to get that guitar. Because back then, that guitar was like, man, 1500 and That's a lot of money back then, you know? Yeah, um, sure. And they let me do payments. I finally got it. And that's what he said. He goes, once you play that type of fretboard, you'll never go back and... I'll tell you what, that it was true, you know, because I tried a couple experiments to, to do away with it. And it was just no control uh, on stage. It just really grips your your hands, your you know, your fingers. You just you just really hold on to it, you know. And uh, with the regular fretboard, I, I run right off the fretboard. I don't have any really control on that or sustain or vibrato, you know, because right. a lot of my vibrato, I really dig into the into the fret really heavily um to really grab those and feel like a murder in the note <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry if i could interject but for a layman like myself and for some of the listeners could you explain exactly what a scalped uh fretboard is and what the advantage of that is yeah what that is 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 between the little uh uh between each fret you know the wood part is what they do is they groove that out you know, they kind of carve that out to where the wood doesn't touch your 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 fingertips compared to a normal guitar. When you go to press like a, a, a G chord or something like that, your your fingers are hitting part of the wood. You know what I mean? So you'll run into that and it'll stop you so far, you know. And then with the scalp fretboards is they groove that all out to where you're not touching any of the wood, you know. Oh, wow. And what that and what that does is it's just for me personally, it just I'm holding on to that cord. You know, I mean, it's it's almost like a death grip for, for me um, compared to a regular uh, fretboard. But I would just say it's more control. It's more vibrato. Um, uh, it, it, it's just more comfortable for me to play because the end of your finger is, is like a half circle. You know what I mean? So when you put your finger down on that fretboard, you're just sticking your finger on the other part of the half circle. If that makes sense to you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so you're just kind of putting your finger into the groove of what your finger's like, you know? So, because uh, nobody has a flat finger, right? And then they put it on a flat fretboard. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You know? Interesting. I, I don't want to take a cheap shot at Tony Iommi, but he, I think he has one flat finger there. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he has not, some anyway. little plastic tips there. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, a cheap, that's a cheap joke, not to derail you. But, <laughs> but, um, Wow, man, that's that's pretty interesting to me. You're like blowing my mind now because I've you know obviously I'm not a guitarist. Tom is more of the guitar guy, I, but but you remind me something. Speaking of the 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 technique, of, you know, you're using with your hand and and your actual shape of your hands. I believe you said in the other interview that you were experiencing a lot of pain or at least dysfunction with your hands in terms of playing guitar. And was it Tai Chi or, or what? What was it that you yeah, Tai Chi class actually helped you get over that? Yeah, I the last year that I was in Incan, um, I started having some serious pains in my hands, and 
month. We would play outside festivals. Now, you play an outside festival, it's rain, shine, snow, ice storm, or nothing, because that fest has to go on, you know? So I would stick my hands in the tubes of the amps just to warm them up, how cold they were between songs. Um, But sometimes we would get off the plane, and the schedule was so busy, you know, I always did a warm-up no matter what. You know, it's like an athlete. He's got to warm up. He's got to stretch. You know, guitar players are the same way. But I wasn't doing that. You know, I was just so tired. The last thing I wanted to do was pick up a guitar. You know, I was half dead. And uh, I think that's what was happening is that wasn't properly warming up and I was causing damages in my hands and in my wrist, you know. So uh, I started going to the doctor about it because we would start a song and I'm like, okay, it's time to go. And my hands wouldn't go. You know, for a few for a few seconds, you know, God. like what's going on here? You know, I was just like, I'm not locking up; they're not syncing up. And I'm going, man, oh man, you know. So for about a year, I really was struggling with that a little bit, you know. And I'd I'd put like fifty some picks on the amp, and I would they would just fall out of my hands. And I got so used to grabbing guitar picks, you couldn't even tell that I was, you know, uh, grabbing them between songs because I was just getting so fast at grabbing them, you know, and. uh yeah, I was doing uh, hand hand therapy and all this stuff, and nothing was working. And I didn't have carpal tunnel. I didn't have any of that. We they just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I, I uh, I'm out of martial arts school, and then they had a tai chi class. So he's like, let's try get try some tai chi, and uh, get the blood flowing through there. And you know that tai chi is a real slow moving stuff you see at the Chinese monk temples, you know. Huh. And uh, I tried it, and I really stuck with it, and uh, it worked. It totally worked. Like, the pain started going away and, and uh, wasn't having any problems anymore, <clears throat> you know? So I think the body was just healing itself um, the correct way instead of them sticking friggin' needle injections in you and giving you medication and, and all the side effects of that crap, you know? Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, really so, but, yeah. I stuck with it and it really worked and, and I still do it before, uh, before I warm up or I go into the studio, I'll do the, the Tai Chi with my hands and then I'll slowly do some exercise with my hands and it takes about a half hour, you know, uh, just to warm up before I even hit record. Cause if I go in the studio, start recording, I start feeling that problem again. You, you know what I mean? It's just like, Whoa, okay. I'm not warmed up yet. So, and I think it's just because I've been playing, you know, almost 40 years, that, you know, your body's just, you know, I mean, imagine running a jackhammer for 40 years. I mean, your body's only going to take so much <coughs> uh, pounding like that. So, yeah, you older guys got to take care of them hands. <laughs> well, I tell the young kids that, too. I'm like, don't mess around because you're going to get a little older and you're going to start having problems with your hands, dropping picks and stuff like that. And you're not going to know what's wrong. You're just going to think, oh, man, I, got, I dropped a pick because that's all it starts with, with a couple. And that's what it started with wow, why did I drop that pick like that? You know, like all of a sudden I didn't have any strength and it was just gone. You know, it was really weird. <clears throat> I, I have uh, a start uh, early. Yeah, yeah, start early is the mantra for any kind of metal pretty much, man. Yeah. So you can sleep st- uh, sitting up in a van too across the country. Oh, right? yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that the, the, the van days for me are just, just I, I can't do it anymore. No, that's... Uh, Especially at fifty years old now, man, I just I just can't sit there for six, eight hours with fifteen, twenty other guys. Oh. You know, traveling across Europe and these little because they're 
their cars are way smaller than ours, you know? So, uh, and, and their people are smaller than us. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody over there is like a friggin' toothpick. So they can, <laughs> they can pile that many people in there and it's nothing to them, you know? And, uh, you get a bunch of Americans in there, man, you know, the uh, friggin' cheeseburgers and fries for a while. I, I mean, it gets uncomfy, <laughs> you know, but, uh, like I said, I says, you know, with this project, I says, you know, a touring or something like that, you know, and Flo and Steve and myself is like, if we can be comfortable and it's a good package and uh, you can get proper rest and sleep and you got your bunk and, you know, uh, stuff like that, we'll, we'll, we'll do some stuff like that. But as far as like everybody loading up again, I think they all agree. It's just, it's just too much, even on your, your lower back and, and all that stuff, you know I mean? I mean, some of those shows, I was driving right after the show for six, seven hours to get to the next city. And that's mm-hmm. not, you know, when you're that tired, man, that's freaking dangerous. I mean, a couple, quite a few times I, I nodded at the wheel, you know, it's like, oh, my God. And then you're thinking you got all these people's lives in your hand and you're nodding at the wheel. That's not safe either, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So, Thank goodness for rumble strips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just uh like I said, unless we have a have a driver and and uh, you know have a bus or the uh, oh what's the other thing called? It's it's like a half bus. It's really cool. I'm trying to think what they call those. Um, but anyways, the, the ha- I'll just call it a half bus. But it all has separate bunks in it and a bathroom and a shower and it, it's just comfortable. You know, you got TV, refrigerator, stuff like that, and you hire a driver that just drives and that's his job. You know instead of band a band guy unloading and then playing the show and then reloading and then you know you got to hit the road and you got five six guys that are drinking and they're farting around and you, you know next thing you know you're two hours late to get on the road and because sometimes these guys just don't realize that you're cutting into your driving time when you're when you're not getting out of there on time everything's on a schedule yeah so I would get pissed and be like all right come on we gotta go you're cutting into my driving time which is cutting into my sleep time you know what I mean? Because I have to get so many miles before I pull over on a truck stop and the next guy takes over. So if you're cutting into my two hours, that means you're cutting into my two hours of sleep. It, you know what I mean? So it just it's a chain reaction that it affects, you know? <clears throat> so 100%, man. You're fucking it up for everybody. I hope the, the younger listeners getting their bands going are listening to all that, man, because that's, that's the reality of it. It's true. Yeah, you know, get a, get a schedule and say, all right, we got to load out at... Uh, out of the venue at twelve thirty, the van has to go at one o'clock. Be respectful and to the to the driver and say, okay, everybody's here. Not the tour manager going, oh, we're so and so, and he's looking for him for a half hour and forty five minutes because he ran off to smoke some weed or he took off with <laughs> some chicky poo, and, and next thing you know, you're sitting there for into your time of driving. You know what I mean? And that driver starts getting tired sitting there, and you're cutting into his time and then it's dangerous for all of you you know i mean when you're doing a tour bus that tour bus driver says okay 4 30 a.m that bus starts 15 minutes later it rolls out no matter who's on that bus or not because he has a time frame and he's only allowed to drive so many hours so many miles now yeah. before he has to pull over because of the law so if you miss your bus call that's on you man to get to the next city and that's the way it should be you know not you know, especially you're on a tour package and you got 20, 25 guys on a tour bus, 
you, you can't be chasing everybody. It's your responsibility to be there at 4.30 and get going. I remember the tour bus was starting to pull away. I'm sleeping on my bunk. I started hearing this banging on the side of the bus. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. I'm like, what the hell is that? Are we hitting? I thought we were hitting something. You know, so I got out. I told the bus driver, I go, oh, my God, I think you're sideswiping something. Now I hear bum, bum, bum. He goes, no, it's one of the guys. He didn't show up on time. I'm just creeping a little bit, but I see him. You know what I mean? So I just want to put the scare into him not to do it again. And and he never did it again after that. <laughs> Perfect. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's screaming. Hey, hey. I'll never forget that. You know, That's great, and I'm right? thinking, I'm just thinking, dude, if he didn't see you in the mirrors, and I didn't hear you beating on the bus because everybody's partying and, and had, had the stereo blast and I would go to bed early. I said, you would have been stuck. You would have been stuck in another city, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, all you young guys coming up, man, just, just be respectful, especially if, you, you know, a lot of the newer bands that, you know, are still in bands and, and doing that stuff and you have drivers yeah. and it's the band members taking turns on drivers, man. Be respectful and say, okay, we're on the road at one o'clock. I'm in here. I'm ready to go. You know, and not cut into that guy's time because, man, it's just all it takes is one one nod of the head, man. And you guys could be wrapped around a friggin' tree. That's all it takes that, that you know, that split second, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I was stressing on a lot of the interviews. Need rest. You got to perform good. You know, you got to perform good and, and you want to feel good while you're out there and, and stuff like that. And a uh, couple of times I was on stage, man, driving eight, seven hours that night. I, I just, all I thought about was just laying right down there. I didn't even care about the show. And I, I like I said, I never wanted to do that again because it was just like, damn, man, it was a packed house and everybody wanted to talk. And all I could think was like, I got to go take a, a, some type of nap because I got to drive all again. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm in the back of the venue. I laid down a friggin' guitar case, and I laid on the guitar case and passed out until we actually physically played. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and this is when you were playing with Incantation. Yeah, yeah. Boston. Yeah, I'll never yeah. forget that show. Yeah, I'll never forget that show. So uh, everybody said I played really good, and I've seen video of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I played good, but I, I just felt like death up there, man. You know, And a lot of people was like, you don't look... Yeah, I remember even the band Dying Feet was like, you're like, dude, I don't know how you're doing it. Yeah. You know, you driving all night like that, unloading, unloading the merch, set up, doing sound check, playing, and then re-reloading it and, and trying to sleep. At, at, you know, when are you sleeping? And I go, I'm not. You know, hour here, two hours there, hour here. And I did that for five and a half, almost six weeks. That tour was long. Wow. You know? Yeah, I, I so. just, I, I, yeah, just, I just wanted to confirm it was incantation, just because so, there are some people out there who have a little bit of uh, an illusion, a delusion, maybe I guess you could say, about what their favorite underground metal band is is making for for these shows and how the people are. You know, there's people who think, you know, even like Cannibal Corpse or Obituary, like these guys aren't millionaires. You know, these guys aren't pulling up to shows in limousines and things like that. But there are some people who don't, you know, they don't understand that. Yeah, that's that. That is true. You know, I mean, within can, uh, it, you know, I would say I was probably making a little bit more than minimum wage. If you want to think about it like that, if you're thinking about it like that, you know. For, from, so, from my perspective, it, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, and and you're playing shows and you're traveling and all that stuff like that. And but here's the thing, though, is okay. Say you did a tour for six weeks, right? Then you're off for two months. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Now you have to take your income and I was a little older, so I was a little more wiser of like, okay, my money has to last till the next tour. You know what I mean? Because it's very hard to find jobs that allow you to go, hey, I got to go on tour for uh, three weeks. <laughs> They're going to say, well, see you later, buddy. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, you, you got to space that out. So um, that's why Incan toured so much because we needed that constant income coming in, you know, because we weren't making that uh, enough money, you know, to do that. So that's why we were doing that. But some guys, you know, they'd, uh, I won't name any names or anything, but you know, they'd get off tour. Oh yeah, man, blah, blah, blah. I got me a new car. I got me blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, now you got a car payment and the next tour is not for a couple months. And they're calling me up. Oh man, can I borrow a few hundred? Mm. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out of my advance on the tour. And I'm just like, what did I tell you, man? You know what I mean? Pace your money, pace your money, you know? And, uh, some of the honored guys, they wouldn't do it, you know? And, uh, and I don't know why, you know, because, you know, when you're on the road, there's always a free case of beer. There's always uh, Jack Daniels, whatever, you know, and the writer and, and people giving you stuff, uh, you know. So there's constantly free uh, stuff if you're a partier. So I don't know what the hell they were spending their money on, you know. But it's funny, though. I would go to Walmart before we would leave for a tour, and I'd, I'd show up at the uh, tour bus with, with a shopping cart full of groceries. <laughs> and that's how I saved my money though. You yeah. know what I mean? I went, I went and bought bananas and, and wheat thins and, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And I would stock it and, and stuff like that. And then everybody else is like, dude, that's the way to go. And I was like, I told you why? Cause you stop at a truck stop. What do you get? You get a pop bag of chips, slim Jim. You, you know what I mean? a nasty ass sandwich that's been sitting there forever. Next thing you know, you spent 30 bucks in one night. Wow. Just at a gas station. You, you know what I mean? If you think about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that food's gone the next day. So you got to do it all over again. That's where a lot of guys were spending their money. That's a, that's a really good way to lose money on tour. You're absolutely right, man. Uh, oh yeah. You stop at a gas station and I've done it too, you know, and we're like, Oh man, that's slim jam chips. You know, because it's easy and I'm driving. It's just easy to reach in the bag. And I say, Oh man, I blew $25 on nothing, <laughs> you know, not, not so when make... I started, started shopping, then, then, you know, I had food all week. You got your cereal and, and, and all that stuff that you, that you actually need, you know, and, uh, you gotta eat healthy on tour though, because I'll tell you what, some of these guys, they just eating chips every day, man. It takes a toll on you, you know, I mean, the younger guys can get away with it, you know, but <laughs> especially somebody, you know, 35 and up, man, it, it's going to. You could see it. You could see it in them. You know, it's like, oh, I think you better lay off the uh, the chips a little bit, buddy, and, and eat some fruit. <laughs> well, it, that, that's the you truth, know? man. Like, I was gonna. What I was gonna say is, um, you talk about like feeling like shit on stage and driving a lot, and like you know, after a week or two on the road, like you realize there's, there there will be stretches of driving where your only option for six or seven hours for food is going to be some of those gas stations, unless you prepare a little bit, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely. I remember. I th oh, I'm trying to think of the van. Um, hold on, it'll come to me here in a second. It wasn't Dark Funeral? Uh, Marduk came over from Europe, and I remember sitting there with the bass player. He goes, "Oh, it's so expensive here. You know, we're spending so much money on food." 
and uh because they would go shopping too you know but they would come back with like you know stuff that that was you know dinner on friday special for me back home you know <laughs> like, well, you guys are spending too much well they see me with this little can of chef boy rd and they go what's that and they go oh this is a uh, chef boy rd I, I would buy a case of it you get like 30 some cans in a case they're like you know 35 cents 60 cents a can you know i says you want to try one he goes yeah he goes oh that's pretty good and i was just like yeah man i'm saving money you know after the show heat it up and got a loaf of bread all that stuff you know and uh next thing i know they had a case of shit for <laughs> <laughs> and uh they would get different ones so we would trade you know what i mean different uh, different ones but they actually sent me an email that bass player sent me an email it goes dude i just wanted to thank you for introducing us to chef rd because they didn't know what it was because we saved so much money buying that stuff and i says well you can't eat it all the time because it definitely ain't the most healthiest shit for you <laughs> but uh yeah, it was funny though. It would be me and him after the show uh, uh, with Chef Boyardee eating that stuff, and it was so funny, you know. Um, yeah, T- tour saver there for you guys. <laughs> That's a t- I, I love it, man. That's great, man. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm all about being kind of thrifty and, and coming up with little tricks on tour. That's a good tip, man. Um, oh yeah. So, something you know, while we're talking about the younger bands and coming up, something I I, I wanted to get into this interview about you on the come up. Um, and I and I do I do want to spend a little bit more time talking about Arise from Worms and your new EP coming out January fourteenth for the listeners, of course, obviously with Flo Monier and um, Steve Tucker, obviously. But something I wanted to ask you about from earlier on in your career, Metal Archives, who we use as a resource, has you listed as a a member of Flesh Tized, um, a, a band I'm actually a, a big fan of their albums, Here Among Thorns and Divide and Conquer. I wanted to get your recollection on that. Uh, yes, um, Gary and Garth, really good friends of mine. I still talk to them every other day. Um, their guitar player left. Um, I think he had a drinking problem or something, and they left. And they actually found me when I was in Incan and uh, asked me to join. But I just did shows with them. I didn't do any of the recordings. And uh, because he, he, they were in Alabama. The singer was in Florida, and then obviously I was in Pennsylvania. Mm. And uh, I would travel twelve hours one way for band practice once a month. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. once a month I got my little Ford Ranger, and uh, twelve hours one way, because uh, that's how far they were for me for, to rehearse for a weekend. And I would stay at the drummer's house like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We would rehearse three days because we were working on the next album. And uh, I did that for, oh, man, years. Yeah, years we did that. And then all of a sudden, uh, everybody's schedule started getting too busy. And, you know, hey, this month we can't do it. And the next thing you know, it turned into two months. And, then uh, yeah, it just kind of fizzled, fizzled like that. But we did a couple shows like Maryland Death Fest and uh, a bunch of local shows and, and stuff down there. Uh, that we did but yeah i used to go that's how dedicated i was i traveled 12 hours one way people bitch about oh man i got no gas money to get to band practice that's like a half hour away (laughs) and i'm just like man i want 12 fucking hours for one way one way for rehearsals that's crazy was that to alabama or yeah huntsville alabama wow yeah dude that's wild yeah i would uh get some good rest just pile my stuff in my little little truck and uh Way I went, man. Yeah, one way. And then, uh, well, in can, 
their rehearsal because Kyle's over in Columbus. That's about um, four and a half hours away, one way. So I would travel to uh, rehearsals out there. Um, so yeah, that's how dedicated I was, man. It's, it's just uh, time to go, time to go, man. Uh, how I was, you know, and, and it was just, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, latch on to me and stuff like that because I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, you know, I had a clear head, I, I could, I'd show up to rehearsals with a clear mind, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that you got to quit drinking or, or smoke or whatever you do, you know, but it has to be controlled, you know, if it's, if it's controlling yeah. your guitar playing or whatever instrument you're playing, then you got some problems. You know, but uh, yeah, I was just so gun ho, man. I just, uh, yeah, I would travel. <laughs> you know, I tell people that story. They're like, "Holy shit!" One way, and I go, "Yeah, it's just funny." You know, now that you think about it, you know, <clears throat> that dedication, man. And are 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 some of those guys still involved in Chaos Inception? I don't know their projects. Um, okay, yeah, just ask. I, I know Gary. Uh, or no, yeah, Gary's still drumming. I know he's got a couple projects. He'll always be busy playing drums. Um, Garth, the bass player, I think he just does um, cover stuff now because um, he's married and, and he's got kids and stuff like that. I think he uh, just plays for fun now. Okay, um, yeah. I'll have to ask him. Yeah, I'll have to ask him because I, I talk to him all the time. Um, stuff like that, you know, because I actually asked Garth, I go, hey, we get we do some touring, and play some bass, you know, on tour. And he was like, oh, I'd never be able to do the tour, man. I was like, well, maybe if it was just a week. Nope, can't do it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he, he played a fretless back in the Flesh Ties days, right? I can't remember. Um, I, I, he, I, he might have. I know he had quite a few basses. I just can't remember because that was 2004, 2005 yeah. around there. In interesting, um, interesting albums. Really, really underrated band, in my opinion. Flesh ties. That's why it just stood out to me, and I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, they had. Uh, they're pretty tight, you know. They had something a little bit there, but it's just uh, like I said. All it took was their their main guy, their guitar player, singer, um, just went down the wrong path. You know, that's exactly what it was. And then when you're trying to get other people in there. Uh, it's tough organizing all that, you know, especially when it was that far of a distance at that time, you know, because there was no Skype to work on guitar parts, mm. um, you know, you know anything that you could do now. I mean, now you can work on stuff now and just see each other playing it over over the internet. And then you're prepared, you know. Um, you know, there was no file transfers for to do that back then, or at least it was just coming out, you know. I mean, it's not like I can record all my guitar tracks here and then I send them all the flow and then he just rehearses and records there and then sends it all back to me. You know, that, that we didn't have that technology uh, then or it was just coming out. We didn't know about it, you know. Yeah, man. Uh, and, oh. and, and yeah, a big difference nowadays. And that's a good segue to talk about Arise from Worms. Um, and I, I want to talk about this because you... You talk, like I said, um, I'm kind of referencing Infernal TV's YouTube channel and the That Metal interview, which by the which That Metal interview podcast I thought did a great job um, speaking to you as they always do with people, and um, you talked a little bit about how your work on uh, the 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 most recent Incantation album from 2020. Um, you you claimed that you tracked 70 percent of the guitars. Yeah, 
Yeah, I did. I did a lot of recording for that. I did. Uh, that was uh, anything that was fast or anything like that is is all my guitars. Um, and then he would do the the really slow stuff because he wanted his style into the really slow stuff. Um, but even some of the slow stuff and harmonies and stuff like that I did because it was like uh, they're doing the normal third away or the normal fourth away for a harmony, you know, and I was adding that jazz influence in there. I was like, well, let's do a, a sixth there. You know, instead of a the normal traditional root three, root three five is your traditional rock. You probably heard it a thousand times and don't even know it. Huh. Um, but when you start adding those different notes in there, and then that gives you that little more mysterious sound. You know what I mean? Instead of cruising on top of the lake in the sunshine, compared to being trapped underneath the water and you can't <laughs> get up there and breathe. You know what I mean? That movie suspense. Um, so I started adding a lot of harmonies like that uh, to that stuff. And then, because uh, I would get really rough tracks from the bass player and like, oh, here's my ideas and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I can't understand a, a friggin' thing you're playing. Can you sing it to me over the phone? It, you know, so he would sing parts to me over the phone so I could just kind of hear what he was doing, you know, um, how rough some of these, these songs were. And then I would take them and put them in the keys. You know, um, and that was that's what I would do. So, you know, I'm not uh, taking credit away from what they traditionally came up with the idea of it. You know what I mean? But I would take it and I would move it into certain certain things there, you know, and then uh, just give it more of a flow, flowing sound, you know, especially on that song. Uh, Black Phantoms fire on that. I mean, that 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 original. If you heard the original, like okay, it's it's pretty close, but it just did not have the flow to it or the or the Egyptian sound to it. You know, I mean, like the beginning was just three notes repeated: one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I was like, well, that's we can't be doing that. We're a metal band. I was like, well, let's let's add eleven notes in there. You know, and everybody's like, what do you mean? So I'd be like, one, two, three, four, seven, eleven. One, two, three, four, six, seven, eleven. You know what I mean? And it just flowed with the drums over that and then the main verse part i i it had the same one two three one two three one two three and i was like well let's do one two three four five and the drummer play one two three four and that'll kind of give us like a weird rhythm loop to it so we did that and then uh <clears throat> came out good you know so but you got to really have your picking on your on your game if you're playing a five four over a four four it could turn into a big cluster mess <laughs> you know and the little the little tail after that you know it was just the original version was just day do do day do do you know one two one two you know and i said well hell with that let's add 11 notes there too you know <laughs> so, you know so i was adding all this stuff to it um which is which was jazz influenced you know i mean like i said before they probably don't even know that there's the jazz influence on that album heavily, even in the solo playing on the guitar solos that I did. It's all melodic minor um, uh, jazz stuff that jazz guys would use, you know, and I just put that in there. And that's what was kind of giving it that little bit of an out sound, but cool sound, you know, because I had so many people like, wow, what scales are you using? It just, it has an out sound, like it's out of key, but it's in key, you know, and I was just like, you know, and I point them in the the right direction. What I was what I was using, you know. <clears throat> but uh, 
Yeah, we would go in uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, and I wouldn't leave that studio until 8 o'clock at night uh, doing that album. Because I tracked with the drummer, too. You know, he went to track his drums, and I was his metronome in the studio. So I went in there, so he got, you do six takes of one song, you're in there all day long. You don't even know it, you know. Um, so, so I so would play you, with. You did all the raw stuff for the for the drums to be tracked as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, solid week one time. I went out there for a solid week. Yes, spent out there for a week, and we tracked, and I was like, all right, let's go, and, you know, uh, he would play his drums till he got a good take, and, and that was the thing of that kind of pissed me off about that album was he was getting ready to track his drums. So I wanted to make sure I was on my game so I could, if I'm giving him a good performance... Of saying, all right, I'm, I'm, I got the songs down. I'm in a pissed off mood. If he's feeling that off me, then he's going to have good takes. You know what I mean? If a part's coming up in the song and I don't know it that well and I kind of flop through it, how do you think he's going to feel drumming it? You know. Mm. So uh, when we had that little, uh, you know, him calling me up, are you ready to come out? And I says, well, I don't know. I haven't heard from the main guy in, in almost three months. We'll return my phone calls or texts or whatever, whatever the hell he's doing. He's like, what do you mean? And I go, well, yeah, I got to make sure this stuff's correct, you know, because his tab and the bass player's tab were all different. Everybody had different tabs. So it's just like, okay, what's the right stuff? You know? So that's when I just said, all right, you know what? This is how it's written now. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, And uh, that's the way we went. But that's the whole thing though is, is, if I'm playing half-ass and he and I'm in his headphones and he's tracking drums, how do you think he's going to perform? Not very good, you know. Yeah, so you got to uh, be on your a. Wow, man, that's a lot of responsibility. I never thought of it like that. That's true, though. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go in there and go. You got the song now? Yeah, I'm going to nail it, man. Let's let's go. And then if I'm sitting there going, hell yeah, he he's probably going to feel that energy off me and and get good drum tracks. Not me go. Oh shit! Here comes that part. Uh, tink, 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 gin, 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 tink, you know, and it's all sloppy and messed up like that. And he's, and I could see it in his face, like, you know, his eyes get all squinty because he's concentrating on his things, but he's hearing all that shit in his headphones. It, of course, it's going to throw you off, you know. So, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was so, that whole uh, thing. Well, another thing about that album, and I don't want to harp on that album, but it seems like the, like your contributions and recording of that album and some of the stuff that they left on the cutting room floor, so to speak, uh, ends up maybe paving the way for um, Arise from Worms. Is, is that correct? Because they cut away a lot of your work from that album, right? Yeah, a lot of the guitar solo stuff was uh, deleted. Um, that uh, it was funny because a lot of it made it on there. I mean, there's a lot of it on there, you know. Like I said, pro- probably close to 70%. Uh, but the leads and stuff like that even the rhythm playing but um a lot of it got cut because the one solo that's actually i said this before that's in the single that was released the very last solo on the song was actually the solo in the very opening track of that album and they just thought it was just too much um so it was taken off and we did something else there but uh yeah it kind of uh too much stuff was getting deleted. You know, you'd work your ass off on it for a month or two, and then you'd come back in and be like, hey, what happened to that? What happened to my part? 
oh, it's this now. And it was like, oh, okay. And then it was just too much. And then, and then there was like two songs that I wrote that never even made it to that album. And they said, well, we're, we're going to add some stuff to it to make it more incantation. So they sent it to me. And out of that whole song, there was maybe two parts that, that were still there. And the rest of it was just all new stuff. And I was just like, well, here's, here's the thing. When I took your guys' songs, I enhanced what was there to be better. I didn't change it to where you can't even recognize the original. The original. You know what I'm trying to say there? Like this was, you had the idea, I enhanced it to be better, but you could still hear the idea of it was still there. Now, when I started hearing my stuff back, these were riffs where I'm like, that's not even close to what, what was there. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't even in the ballpark. It was just completely different. So uh, I think that's where it was just kind of like, uh, okay. You know, we had to get ready for the Morbid tour, and, and I just said, ah, I just don't like it. Just don't even use it for the album, and, and they didn't. So, uh, but that's how that came about. But yeah, yeah, it's it slowly... Because uh, I says, well, if I'm going to be dirt poor and, and scrounging the bottom of the barrel doing this, I at least want to friggin' some riffs on there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some ideas on there. So I'm on stage going, hell yeah, man, here comes this part. I, I worked really hard on it. And I didn't have that. Incantation was basically a cover band for me. It was like playing covers every night, you know. It's just that it was an original band, but it was kind of like playing covers every night, you know. Uh because a lot of people want to hear all that old stuff that you know that I obviously wasn't on, but but it was you know. And any guy that's a cover band musician, he knows how that can get really burnt out really quick playing other people's music, you know. <clears throat> so, but yeah, I think that's where that came from. Because um, I was ready to uh, get get some tunes out. Because I'd be on stage, I like nobody even really knows how I really play. You know, because they're hearing incantation. I was like, man, if people really knew how I could play. Yeah, man, I, I might have something here, you know. And then that's when I approached Steve about possibly doing some material. And that was just going to be like a solo album project, you know. I had no intentions of leaving in can uh, or anything, you know. And then uh, what happened happened, and then uh, here we are pushing this project. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, and you know, you you talked about in in the other interview about um, how there was a lack of communication, and they worded it as you were too good, I guess, so to speak, too technically proficient to be in the band, so to speak. But there was a little more behind the scenes like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there just you know that whole thing of taking three months to call me back or, or uh, email or something. Now, first of all, it's unprofessional as a business thing of it, if you want to look at it that way, but also again, though, we're all kind of bros and friends and it's just like, dude, you can't give a call or a text or anything. It was, it was just kind of like, I just felt kind of like, who the hell are you? I'll call you when I feel like it. So I was just kind of like, screw you after that. It was always tension after that, you know? And then there's a couple smart ass remarks in the studio, you know, I'm laying down a solo, you know, working my ass off onto it and, comet would come up uh big deal you can play fast big deal and it's a small shit like that it's just kind of like what what okay you play it then yeah <laughs> you know so uh it, it was a small shit here and there but yeah the communication was just so bad i mean we'd be on the tour bus 
sitting right across from each other, the whole band, and all of a sudden you got to send a text what time sound check is. Well, just speak up. We're all sitting right here. It, you know, it just, uh, it, it, the communicate, there was no communication. It was over with. And that's, that was the whole thing, uh, type thing. So that's the, the attention. That's where the tension was. I mean, I didn't speak to John the entire Morbid Angel tour. Not one word. That one word. And that was a long tour, you know? So if you're on, you're in a band with somebody and you're on tour, in the same tour bus, playing, you know, stage, and you guys don't speak or say anything, that, you know, there's, you know, BS shit there, you know? And then, you know, releasing the statement, oh, I'm too good for the band or blah, blah, blah. Like I said, that's that, that's just horse shit, you know? When have you ever heard somebody being fired from a band for being too good? Uh, I haven't. Sonny? I haven't. <laughs> I think I think Tom might know where I'm going. Sonny, I'm gonna I'm gonna be respectful here, um, not just to you but to everyone. All I'm gonna say is that I've been in strikingly similar shoes to where you've been in in terms of this band situation in my life. I've been in and out of a lot of local death metal bands here in New York. I've dealt with communication issues and issues where I felt like I wasn't being dealt with. Um, in the most uh, direct or respectful manner and, and all those sort of things. And when I heard you describe this story for the first time, uh, on, uh, like I said, on the That Metal interview podcast, I, I, it kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit to the story of how Arise from Worms, even the name, in a way, um, you said, uh, and, and you know, with, with all due respect, rest in peace, I know you said your brother, who has since passed away, used to refer to people not doing the right thing in life as worms. Um, so that was kind mm-hmm. of a dual meaning for you. You explained that. I got to say, um, it, it just tugged at my heartstrings, and I think maybe for anyone who's had uh, issues in their life where they had to part way with company, whether it was in terms of a band or a friendship or anything in life and had to move on in some sort of way, I think you, you captured that um, that sentiment uh, with this band a little bit. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely came out in these songs, you know. Uh you know, even Steve was saying, he goes, wow, they, some of these riffs just sound so pissed off, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. But uh, I could do what I want and, and, and come in and know that it wasn't going to be changed or deleted the next day, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Unless uh, the only thing, I think, flow on time was, you know, I sat on some tracks and so you could hear the ideas. And he says, you you know, you sound, the, the riffs are cool, but you just sound tired in the recording. You're burned out, I could tell, you know. So uh, I re-recorded them and sent them to him, and he goes, there you go. <laughs> just needed some rest, you know. But uh, yeah, well, helpful feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was definitely, I heard it, you know. I took a week off or something like that, and I came back, and I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm dragging ass there, you know. Well, yeah, that's a you just know? a prime example. That is... Like you know, he's he's being honest with you, and maybe not what you want to hear in the mo- in that moment, but it says a lot about how he cares about the product, and you care about the product, you know, as yeah. opposed to the story you just told us, where you're not getting answers, and then all of a sudden, all the riffs are gone. That's not right. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, you know, definitely. Yeah, um, but. Uh, and you know you're you're talking about um, a rise from worms. I just want to plug because you you've been kind enough to give us uh, uh, so much of your story up till now. And obviously the hot new thing is January 14th. We're looking forward to the rest of the um, EP that's coming out. The single is Axes of the Voivode Two. 
Uh, featuring- Voivod, yeah. Voivod, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pronounce everything. Featuring Dallas Toller Wade, uh, who people may know formerly of Nile. Um, it, 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 could you just uh, give us a little insight maybe into the that song? Um, I, and I know something I wanted to get get in here too is that you actually you play bass on this EP if I got that right. And I don't know if you learned bass or if you kind of retooled how you approach bass for this. I had to I had to definitely do the tooling. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I did all the bass for it um, because I knew what I wanted the bass to do. You know, I wanted the bass to do some of the guitar solo work, note for note. And a lot of that influence came from uh, Billy Sheehan and Steve Vai when they used to do the harmonized double guitar leads together, you know, back in the Dave Lee Roth band and stuff like that. So that's where a lot of that influence came from. But uh, yeah, though I didn't play bass. So when I started playing the bass, I wanted that smooth sound of fingers. You know what I mean? Where it was just fluent, you know, and I was playing with a pick. So it took a while to uh, get the pick to sound smooth. Um, so that was a challenge. That took me a couple months to, to do that to where the bass was really smooth. Because everybody asked me, hey, do you play with fingers on that? And I'm going, no, not at all. You know, like, man, I don't hear no pick. But I had to lighten my picking hand up to get it to smooth. Because, you know, when you play guitar and then you try to play bass, it has that clinkety sound, you know. And uh, I just didn't want that. I wanted more of a, a smooth bass sound. So that definitely took a while uh, to do that. But uh, like I said, we, we had, uh, I had to end up getting a seven-string bass for some of the runs. And, you know, the range was just, uh, there just wasn't enough range on the on the basses that I had. And so we ended up doing that. And I think it, I had more fun playing bass, I think, than I did guitar. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, especially hearing it come together because when I first sent the tracks to flow, there was no bass. So he's hearing just guitar solos, mm. you know, and uh, he's like, what am I doing here? And I was like, oh, you got to follow that. <laughs> you know, that that is the rhythm, the solo. And he was like, oh, OK, you know, so uh, but then, you know, Steve started laying his vocals down. And then while he was doing that, I was doing the bass. And when it came down the mix, I mean, everybody was like, I didn't know the bass was going to follow the guitar that that closely and i said oh yeah yeah that's that's what we're gonna do there you know so uh uh if that answers your question i can't remember now but uh no a hundred percent i did because something something i heard you speak about was the bass following the leads the billy sheehan uh influence um and 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 you kind of just encapsulated all that i appreciate that because when you're describing death metal, even to say it's technical death metal or whatever it is, like it's it's so vague nowadays because there's so many bands, it's hard to describe. And I thought that that was a really interesting um, selling point uh, of of the of the music of Arise from Worms was the the way you approached the bass. And you mentioned working with Flo Flo Monier, who people probably most notably know from his work with Cryptopsy. Um, uh, he's kind of like this mythical death metal drummer at, in this day and age. People have grown up listening to his work and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we already know the like you're talking about coming from an environment where your stuff was just being deleted without you know consultation. Now with a rise from worms, you're locked in the studio. You're more free. You're doing what you want. What was like working with knowing you have a drummer like that? And you also talked before about writing out tabbing your music and writing it out and almost feeling like you're writing stuff that's too hard to play 
Um, do you feel more free to write knowing that you have a guy like Flo who can just pick up and play at whatever tempo, at whatever technicality and all that? Like, does that free you up to get more bonkers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I said, that song that took me uh, two months, um, yeah, I just went crazy on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, but what was cool about it, Flo said it and um, – uh, Gunner and Alex, the management guys and stuff like that. Um, they says, what's cool about it is it's it's technical and it's busy, but it's tasteful. Um, they said it's not like some of the tech bands, the death tech bands, they call it now, I guess. I get lost in the names. It's a solid blast beat all the way through, you know what I mean? And the riffs are so technical that you don't even know what's going on. Mm. you know yeah um and the vocals are going over it and then sometimes i'm just like well, i wish the vocal would stop saying because it just sounds like noise in the, in the guitar riffs you know there's so much cool guitar stuff going on and uh with the rise i wanted to make sure i just had a basic rhythm for steve's voice because i didn't want to take away from him you know so that's why the rhythm parts are just a little bit more i guess old school in that section um, so he could really breathe as a singer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but yeah, but with flow, uh, I can write anything. Cause he <laughs> sent me a message one time. He was like, man, do you write anything in four, <laughs> four? I go, I was like, well, I don't know. He goes, everything's seven and 11 and five. And you know, it's one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, and the tempos are all over because I don't stick, um, you know, say like 180 beats per, per minute all the way through the whole goddamn song. You know what I mean? I got jumping from 140 to 220 to 170 to 155. And, <laughs> you know, I remember my one engineer goes, he goes, oh, Jesus Christ, did you kill that? I go, what? He goes, what's this 120.5 and a half? <laughs> you know what I go? I was like, I don't know. It's just the way I was feeling the riff, you know? Wow. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of the, the tempo stuff, um, it's all over the place. Um, type thing you know it's not solid all the way through you know um one guy said yeah, it's definitely like a roller coaster but man does it sound fucking cool you know and uh it's funny that single that was released that's not the song i wanted to release i wanted to release the the other one uh voivod one and uh everybody just thought it was going to be too much for a single uh that song so they said let's let's go with a little more easier song to introduce everybody like okay th this is the direction we're heading and and go that route and i was like wow oh, for real man this other song i'm so proud of it and you know it's it's got some really crazy bass guitar shred stuff in it you know and uh but you know i agreed with them and we released that tune so uh that's that's what we did you know but uh <clears throat> yeah because Voivod 1 and 2, they, they, they both kind of go together, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, we went with the, the easier, I, I call it the radio song. <laughs> Sometimes you got to you know, ease people in, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what they wanted to do, you know? They're like, I, I hate for you to come out, and it's just so fucking crazy that people are like, whoa, <laughs> you know? But, uh, so, yeah, we did that and, and, and stuff like that, so. Well, so but, uh, it was a smart choice, actually. You know. Speaking of the younger tech death bands and the and the more modern bands, did I get this right? Is it true that Jared Smith from Archspire 
uh, is possibly going to be performing bass with you guys in the future? Uh, I talked to him about it. You know, I says, hey, you know, if it comes to it, we might have some festivals that were talked about, and, you know, down down the road, you know, uh, some some a tour or something like that. You know, if he'd be interested and, you know, he said he'd like to hear the material and this is before the single even came out. So um, I talked to him and, and he says, yeah, let me hear the material. And then, you know, if his band's not touring or busy, you know, he'd, he'd be interested in, in doing it, you know. Um, so yeah, I got to talk to him again about it, you know, uh, cause some stuff's getting brought up, uh, to do it. But, uh, yeah, that's the guy who we thought of. I seen a video of him. Someone sent me the video and said, hey, get, maybe you should get this guy on there. I think he'd be able to pull it off. So I watched it and I was like, yeah, he, he definitely, uh, looked like he could, could pull it off and, you know, seemed like a really cool guy to talk to and everything. So, but, uh, you know, with flow with cryptopsy and Steve with morbid and him with his band, uh, definitely going to be tough because, you know, and I understand totally that their stuff comes first. Uh, you know, I could, but I'm more flexible. I can work around that, that stuff. But, you know, when you're juggling three other guys that, you know, their careers are, are busy, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to, to do stuff, you know? So of course, but, but we'll get it. You know, I said my last breath, I says, this, this project will do a nice tour, <laughs> you know? This is, you know, and so many people are asking and bands are, are wanting to do shows and tours. So it's just so much, you know, people are like, man, you got to get this out here, this stuff. People got to see this stuff live. So uh, that's where it started getting, you know, brought up to, to really do it, you know, so. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, things can keep opening up a little bit and, and we can get over all this craziness going on and we can see you guys live uh, eventually. Um, and we, I do want to be respectful of your time. You've been very generous with your time. Be- before we wind down, one one last thing I wanted to ask on, on that last note. You were talking about careers. I do know um, from the research, you actually were a music teacher in your hometown for like 11 years um, before you really got involved with, uh, as a touring death metal musician. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Um, yeah, 11 years. That yeah, was a long time. I didn't even realize it was that long so I, until I started doing the interviews. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's what I did. That was, that was my main income, uh, for a living. And then, uh, rejoined incantation and then, uh, you know, did that for eight and a half years. And then, uh, you know, here we are writing these songs for this, this project and getting this out there. And then, you know, now it's like, uh, uh, especially working with Alex and Gunner management, you know, they can really push to say, okay, you need, uh, patreon page going on guitar lessons because I, I didn't even think of this you know all these young kids are sending me message oh hey do you got the guitar tab for the arpeggio section yeah. in the middle and i was like oh i didn't even think of that stuff yet man you know i'm still recording this full length you know and hey do you have videos on this and videos on that and how are you doing this and technique and i'm just like whoa so you know they're talking tab books and, and videos and yeah, you know it's those, it's those... definitely opening it's definitely opening up a lot more doors guitar wise than Incan did, you know, um, because like I said, I can go in and and do these crazy arpeggio stuff now and and not worry about like whoa what's you know what's that type of thing you know, but uh, well I... so it's definitely opening a lot more doors up as far as musician wise, which I actually really wanted. You know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, any, anything with education or musicians or any musician, 
if I can learn from them or they can learn from me, I mean, that's, I like that type of stuff. You know, I'm the first guy, even within camp opening bands. I watched every opening band ever always on tour, every single opening band, you know, and I'd be the first one there. Like, Oh, what pedals are those? Oh, let me check that out. Oh, show me. You know what I mean? And these people would be get so excited. Oh, wow. You want me to show me your, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, you know, or what's that lick you did right there? Oh, I never thought of that. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, always I was just, I was just crazy on education for it. You know, I mean, any, I, I, I'm not that guy that stands on the back with my arms folded. Say, oh, I can outshred that guy. <laughs> I was never like that. I was right up front, man. Someone, someone's burning up the fretboard. I'd, I'd be right there, man. Like, hell yeah, man. You know, what, what, what are you using? What's that? What's this? You know, I'd ask a billion questions, you know, but, uh, well, so, so speak, I just want to know, like, was it, were you part of like the music department at a, 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 at a public or a private school or was it just private lessons? Yeah, it was just a local music store and, and they had a bunch of guitar teachers there, you know, oh, and okay. it's funny. I was, I was trying to get in there for years, you know, and the problem was, um, because I played extreme music, that they were afraid of that. <laughs> um yeah yeah it's very true very true like oh he plays that death metal stuff and you know he's into that stuff and you know a lot of these little kids are coming in that are learning guitar their parents are real religious and they go to church and you know they're gonna do research on them and see them playing that you know so it was really hard to get that so i actually had to prove myself uh that i could play different styles of music and stuff like that so i would just show up at the music store and just just jam out you know and the next thing you know, people are like, oh, I didn't know you played like that. Huh. I didn't I didn't know you could play, you know, a 12-bar a blues thing there or, or jazz or or, or uh, country picking. And I was like, well, I tried telling you guys, you know. <laughs> so that's like, uh, how that came about, you know, because, uh, oh, you know, you play that crazy. You know how people get it in their minds, you know. Oh, that's all you do. You're a death metal guy, you know, and that's all you do. And then you start doing other stuff and people are like, whoa, I didn't know that. And it's funny because earlier on in Incantation, we were touring with a bolt thrower. Nobody showed up to the sound check. So I went up there and I'm doing my own thing. And I remember bolt thrower yelling over saying, hey, mate, are you at the wrong bloody gig? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I laughed and all their guitar techs and everything were right there. They're like, keep playing, keep playing, you know, smoking, dude. And I just remember the guitar players from, from Bolt Thrower coming over. Oh, let me check out your guitars and your amps and your pedals and stuff. You know, they just thought it was crazy. You know, they're like, wow, what that, you know, what are you doing here? You know, and I was like, well, I don't know. What am I doing here? <laughs> you know? I took a gig. That's what it was, you know. But I got that from Bolt Thrower. I got that from Marduk. Uh, even their guitar player, he's like, wow, I just... Because it just seems like you're in the wrong wrong boat, bro. You know, the way you play. And then uh, uh, even Dying Fetus, you know, the one guitar player in Dying Fetus, you know, he's just like, you definitely uh, don't seem like you belong here. So I, I got it from a lot of different people over the years that I was in the in the wrong boat, you know. Uh, well, but, uh, it seems like maybe you found yourself in a more like-minded company now with Arise from Worms. Yeah, like you said, and uh, like I was saying, I was like, with flow, I can do anything. I could throw anything at <laughs> You awesome. know, yeah. I just sent them the tracks, and like, here's the tune. Okay, 
you know, and he goes, I go, how you doing? I'm still wrapping my head around it. <laughs> you know, and he goes, what about this section? I was do it all on the hi-hats, you know, and, and yeah, do this here and do a drum roll with this scale, you know, and uh, I don't, I don't know if he's used to playing like that because Cryptopsy's not like that and his other band's not like that. So um, maybe it's something fresh for him and fun for him to play. Um, because I'm saying, you know, do a drum roll there instead of blasting right through it, you know, uh, with the scale and the bass and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, know, I definitely know Steve had a lot of fun cause Steve got his own studio now and he spent a lot of time on those vocals and, uh, yeah, he's really proud of his, his vocal stuff. So, uh, it came out, uh, it came out better than what we thought, or at least what they thought. You know, I thought it was okay. You know, I was like, oh, I'm doing what I'm going to do. You know, people like it. Cool. If not, oh, well, I'm still happy, you know. Uh, but I think they, they all thought it came out way better than what they expected, you know. I mean, even management. He, he It was so funny. I'll tell you this real quick. Manager, he goes, well, he goes, Sonny, I, I got to tell you something. And I go, what's that? He goes, I truly thought it was going to suck. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I just thought it was just going to be another death metal project and Okay, yeah, we'll we'll send it out and get some contacts and stuff like that. He goes, I didn't know it was gonna I didn't know it was gonna sound like this. You know, and I go, Oh, and he goes, and I didn't even know you played like this. So I'm thinking, God, eight and a half years in incantation, and that came to my my thing there. Nobody really knows how I play. Mm. You know? And then when management says, I didn't know you played like that, it kinda dawned on me like no, nobody really knows what I played. You know, I mean, how many of these Incan fans that are hearing the single that are sending me messages and stuff going, dude, just shred, man, you know, this is like, whoa, you know, I didn't know it was going to sound, what a cool song, <laughs> you know, and uh, so it, it, you know, it came out did its justice, I guess, you know, so. Well, it's th like we mentioned before. Uh, the the single people can check out now if the, if they're hearing this podcast before the fourteenth, um, which we as we said features an appearance by Dallas uh, Toller Wade, formerly of Nile. Um, the e it's a self titled EP. Yes, yeah, it's going to be yeah, out. Yeah, you can go to Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's everywhere. I mean, it's it's just on every uh, platform you can think of everywhere. Yeah, and then the uh, full digital release is is the fourteenth. I know CD pre-orders are going pretty quickly, um, but you can find that every everywhere, uh, all the sites too, you know. And then uh, I don't think they said vinyl won't be available till February because the factories are backed up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to hold the I just want to hold the vinyl of the album in my hands, man. I'll die a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> This is a, here you go, here's a year's seven days a week and a solid year and a half of work right here, man. <laughs> you know, because I was like, this this was a lot of work, you know, a lot of work, man. I mean, I'd go in and do, I spent six hours on a three-second part one time. <laughs> and, and the reason why I did is I was playing it good and... My friend Andrew, engineer, he goes, it sounds good, dude. It sounds good. I was like, it just, when it's coming into that part, it's just not giving me the sludge hammer over the head. 
You know what I mean? Like, whack! You know what I mean? It's almost like I'm walking down the corridor, and I played the part okay, and I just kind of walked right past the sledgehammer guy. You know what I mean? Compared to walking down the corridor and then going, whack! You know what I mean? I got just hit over the head with something. <laughs> so... I wasn't getting that. I wasn't getting it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then finally I just went in there in a, in a pissed off mood and then I nailed it. And then I played him both takes. Okay. Okay. This is what you said. Sounds good. It's on time with the metrodome. It's, it's completely flown. He goes, yeah, that sounds good, dude. I says, here's what I was talking about uh, on that part. Wow. I can really hear the difference, you know, just energy wise. You know, and uh, I says, oh, there you go. That's why I spent six hours on that part because I just wasn't getting the vibe. Uh, more of a vibe thing. You know, I was playing good, but just the vibe wasn't there. You kind, know, kind of <clears throat> like what you were talking about before with tracking with a drummer, making sure that the, the whole vibe is on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I'm not excited or, or you know, because this style of music is supposed to be angry and pissed off and, and violent and all that good stuff you know it's supposed to let out a lot of frustration you know and if i'm just sitting there going eh, okay eh, what do you think that how do you think you're gonna feel if, if you're the drummer and i'm just going yeah we're getting through it sounds good okay cool you know not instead of going yeah bro yeah you know <laughs> you know hell yeah you know yeah you know what i mean you're, you're you know you totally know what i mean if someone's this half ass in it man it just brings the whole 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 recording down or the whole vibe down you know i mean even live too if one guy ain't feeling it man you know it could easily bring the whole band down instantly you know uh and you can hear that within can um some of the shows you know when i was having problems with my hands i was really tired i had quite a few people go like dude you could really you could really hear that you're not firing on our all four cylinders mm. and that band's not firing on all four cylinders you know um and then when I was on fire, you could hear that the drummer was, we were locked, locked in together. It was, you know, it was a good show, you know, but I mean, a lot of that came to, was like when Kyle stepped down from that touring anymore, we'd have a different drummer almost every tour. That was, uh, they're all good drummers. Don't get me wrong, but everybody plays a little bit differently and that would get stressful. You know, it's just like, okay, what's, how's he going to feel this part? You know what I mean? And then it would take, a week out on tour to get used to that drummer you know and then you leave that tour go to the next tour and it's a different drummer you know <laughs> you know so that was tough that was probably the hardest thing um uh to do a big challenge right there you know because then, then you're tired and you're getting frustrated and you don't want to come off that that way you know and i'm like oh man i get the goddamn part right you know what i mean because you're tired and you're beat you know you want to try and figure it out but sometimes it comes out wrong and you don't mean to but uh, it happens, you know. <clears throat> so fair, fair enough, man. Yeah, and and um, yeah, it's uh, tour, touring is tough, man. This, this conversation reminds me a lot about some of the pitfalls of being on the road. You want to be well prepared when you get out there, and and switch, yeah, switching drummers, man. You got to reconnect with a whole new rhythm section, man. It's tough, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. You know when the the meat and potatoes, man, is is a little different. You know, yeah. <clears throat> different spice. <laughs> it's gonna affect you. You know, so well the the uh, rise uh, from worms um, EP I'm sure is going to be a different spice. We're looking forward to that, um, and I, I want to give you the opportunity to to plug and promote anything else that we may have failed to mention uh, before we wrap up. But our, our final question to to be respectful of your time, we always close out by asking every guest, 
what your uh, if you could recommend uh, uh, one older and one newer album by any artists you like, metal or otherwise. Um, there's no time for just older and newer. Just you know, just recommend two cool things for us to check out. Ooh, an older album. <clears throat> this band, Watchtower. Watchtower, yes. Watchtower with uh, the guitar players Ron. I can't see his last name, Jumbedic or something like that. It's it's kind of a weird name for me. Um, Watchtower. It's a newer album, and uh, they're kind of old school guys, but they just put out a. a it's not a newer album, maybe 2016, but uh, yeah, Watchtower. <clears throat> and it's not death metal though. Um, a newer band that. I'd say that Arch Fire. Mm. I listen to them a lot. Good band, yeah, and they they really have they're on point with all of their social media and the videos and all that sort of thing for the fans. People really, they 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 yeah they, they yeah really they're like really that, in there. That yeah, that's yeah. uh you know everybody's trying to get me uh up to that uh <clears throat> to get up to that point, and it's just really hard when you're one guy doing all that stuff, you know, but. Uh, I was like, I got to get the songs done and recording done first before I start uh, doing a lot of video stuff like that. Because then <clears throat> I got to take advantage of Flo's downtime before he gets busy with Cryptopsy. And then, you know, we're waiting a full year for drum tracks. So we're trying to get everything done now yeah. ahead of time. With the, yeah, I would say Watchtower and then, and then uh, that Arch Fear I listened to or Beyond Creation is another one. Good one. Um, yeah, good one. You know, but uh, yeah, I think people like the guitar playing on that Watchtower. You know, it's so funny. Somebody sent me a message and go, sound like Death Metal Watchtower, dude. And I was like, oh, hell no. That's a good compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was just like, dang, because yeah, with all the harmony stops and goes, it's crazy. You know, but, you know, real quick, I said, like, so many people that heard the signal, uh, single had so many different things of how what people hear, you know. You know, one guy says, dude, yeah, it sounds kind of old school, cool. I had another guy said, oh, it sounds like math metal. And I was like, what the hell is math metal? I'd never even heard of that, you know. Um, how, you know, dozens of guys are like, dude, it's got taste of old school meets meets new tech death metal school. And I'm just like, wow. And it's just amazing what pe different people hear, you know. Uh, and I was like, I, I didn't think of all that, you know what I mean, when people are hearing it, you know. And then, of course, I had a lot of people like, whoa, this is crazy shit. I never even heard anything like this. A lot of NCAN fans, you know, because they're really not guitar players, you know. So the, when they hear all that crazy harmony stuff, they're just like, whoa, what, what's this stuff? They're new to it, even though that type of stuff's been around for years, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy what people, people hear differently, you know. Um, but what's it sound like to you? Let me ask you that real quick before we go. <clears throat> uh, well, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if you're familiar, and some of the listeners might laugh when I say this. I got to explain the band Necrophagists, Necrophagists, the German band that's kind of infamously put out an album and toured and. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Muhammad was that the guy? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I well, met him briefly once, but yeah, I, I don't know him personally. But yeah, like I. 
and this is also I'm I'm not a guitarist. I'm not an instrumentalist. You know, I, I I listen to death metal from more of a fan perspective. I do vocals in my bands, but I I want to say that there was something to it like that because I could tell there was a bit of a virtuoso thing going on, but it had a little bit more soul. I would say maybe a little bit more intent. Um, whereas Necro, cool. like respect with all due respect to Necrophagist, to me that seems like a little bit more of like a um, like almost like an exposition type of project where you're displaying technique. Whereas Arise from Worms seemed like it was a little bit maybe p- trying to put a little bit more soul into that virtuoso technique thing. You know, like there's because because it's definitely it's not it's not too clinical. I'll say from from my taste, and the listeners know that. Um, the more technical and and, mus- and you know musically expansive side of death metal loses me when you get a little too clinical, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I I definitely enjoyed it for that, and I and I really enjoyed you kind of. Um, there's a part towards the end of the single um, that that's out now where it kind of stops and and you really showcase the bass more. Um, a lot and- of people like that part. I never in a million years thought people were gonna like that part. That's so crazy. You know, it is so crazy that you say that. It, it catches you, know? you off guard from after the whole. You know, it, it's it's pretty cool. And then the song wraps up fairly shortly uh, following that part, which also it caught me off guard too because it was it it, it was um uh it it, it was kind of keeps you going around corners. You know, it was cool, man. It kept the suspense right till the end in that way. I I, I enjoyed it, man. I'm looking forward to the EP. Cool, cool, very cool. Yeah, I was just wondering, but yeah, you just. You kind of nailed it pretty pretty good with with <laughs> what other people are saying, you know. <clears throat> Great minds think alike, man. So- yeah, definitely, definitely. But everybody that bass not not when I recorded that part, I didn't even the guitar did that part originally, huh? And I and I didn't like it, and I deleted it, and the bass was still there, and I was like, what are, what are we gonna do there? You know, because I was gonna, I was just about I almost had my finger right on the delete button to delete that <laughs> and uh i was like what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and i said ah, it's already there man what's just you know Flo had a nice little drum thing when he comes into it you know what i mean and i was like i was liking what he was doing with the ride and, and the hi-hat and stuff it was kind of giving it like that queen's reich drum thing you know that he that drummer would do back in the day and I was like, oh, let's keep it and the next thing you know everybody's like hey that that, that bass part i love that part <laughs> <laughs> You know, because it's funny when I talk to Flo, I'm like, what do you hear that? I'm like, yeah, I do like uh, that Queensryche drummer there. Oh, we need a little, little more uh, Pete Sandoval on that part there, you know. Oh, here, do, do, you know, I seen this video you did on this clinic. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that part at 325 on, on the on the video. You need to do that part there. So I'm always referring to other drummers of, of what I'm hearing, you know what I mean, style-wise. You know? Scott Rockenfeld, right? Queensryche? I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, I just remember he used guy. to do like yeah. those, yeah, those cool hi hat yeah. and ride things. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, very extremely and, metal, extremely metal, man. Yeah. So, uh, but it was funny. One guy's like, "Dude, this is just a metal song." That's all I gotta say. And I was like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> I, I I'll agree with that one too, man. That's a, that's a short way to put it, but it works too, man. Yeah, because I really dug it. And he goes, he was the same way. He goes, I like old school. I like tech. He goes, but it's not too, too techy where I'm like, what in the hell is going on here, man? You know, he goes, it's, it's got good, like you just said, good flow and, and soul to it. You know, he goes, even for it being shreddy like that, he goes, it still has a lot of feeling to it than just, uh, 
an arpeggio. He goes, sometimes I'll hear a guitar player do an arpeggio, and I'm just like, okay, it was an arpeggio, but there's nothing behind it, you know, um, type thing. And I was like, well, maybe that's where I had to go in the studio and be pissed off that day, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but anyways, yeah, I didn't mean to blabber on there. So, <laughs> no, no, man, we appreciate the insight. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm glad to give my take on it cause I do want the listeners to check everything out. Like we've said already. So, um, uh, Sonny, we appreciate your time. You've been very generous with your story and, um, with everything you told us, uh, one last time that's arise from worm self-titled EP, uh, January the 14th, 2022 on all the platforms that you want to look for it on. Um, and if you can snatch up one of those CDs before it's sold out, do so. Uh, and if you can wait uh, and play the waiting game for the vinyl, go ahead and wait for that. It'll be out later in the year, just like all the vinyl. That's what we're hearing from everybody with the vinyl game nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Sonny uh, Lom- Lombardozzi, uh, formerly of Incantation, um, currently of uh, Arise from Worms, any parting words for uh, listeners of your music and listeners of our program? Yeah, good advice for everybody. Record, record. And record. (laughs) Keep recording. (laughs) That's all I can tell anybody for good advice. Amen. Get them songs out there. Get songs out there. You know, I always said less goat horn and more practice. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I used to yell yell at Incan for that. Too much goat horn in the air, man. Keep your hands on the guitar. <laughs> our, our other uh, our other co-host who couldn't be here tonight, Justin, is always saying, "Work on your riffs. Work on your riffs." That's his tagline for the listeners. Oh yeah, man. yeah. Work on your riffs, man. Yep. Get that picking down. People want to hear tight ass shit when they go to a show. They spend a lot of money and their hard earned working money to come see a show. They don't want to see slop freaking guitar, you know. Uh, especially you're slopping it, and then it goes through the PA, and then what do you think those people are hearing? Yeah, you know, yeah, and then if you're sloppy, your drummer, you're throwing your drummer off, you're throwing your vocalist off, and you're like, yeah, this sounds like shit, you know. So you definitely <laughs> gotta gotta get that picking hand down towards tight and it's clean, you know. But uh, don't want to be the weak link, man. That's true, dude. Yeah, you want to bring a machine gun, you know, not the little uh, water pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, no, but sunny. Okay, uh, guys. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, talking with me and. Uh, Shooting the BS. Thank you. <laughs> of course, brother. You have a great night, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, I am. Yeah. Okay, this is good because let's just use this because this is technical information. Yeah. I like how we're segueing from like technical guitar information to technical, technical fishing, fishing information. Yeah. This is good. You're shredding. So, yeah. You know, uh, this is kind of what's playing. No, it's not. It's not what's playing. This is a bad joke. I'm just trying. I, I you, said you George Thorogood. You could have Wolf. Tom edited in in the background. It's really Steppenwolf. Like, uh, 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 Sixty-five. That's the song. I don't know. What uh, I can't is. drive sixty-five. Is that yeah. the one? So. I've just been buying jig hooks, you know, like different lengths, trying to find a nice, like, like something that's light and strong for the, for these jigs, right? Mm. The eyelet size is really what's killing me because you use the tactical anglers clip, you know, and you want to be able to do it by feel at night, be able to take this lure off, 
put a new one on without kind of you know blindfolding around. Yeah, blindfold. Yeah. A lot of these jig hooks, the, the holes are too small. You know, and once you got the powder coat on there, that's like a rock. You know, I don't know what you guys are talking about because I like guitars. He lost me a few minutes ago. I'm I pretend to be like a knowledgeable fisherman. Justin and my dad are probably like more on the same level of fishing. Just to illustrate a point to our listeners that um, I'm coming back in after six hours of this conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, we uh, edited it down a lot. Uh, it's been edited a lot, but we have to get back to Sonny's interview uh, because that was excellent. The dog. <laughs> It's okay. We're going to stop talking about fishing and get back to Sonny Lombardozzi. Uh, thank you very much to Sonny for him and his time and speaking about his legacy in music, his upcoming EP, Arise from Worms, a self-titled EP with his band featuring Steve Tucker of Morbid Angel and Flo Monier of Cryptopsy. That's going to be out the 14th of January. Uh, might even be out by the time you listen to this episode, so be sure to peep for that on all your uh, music platforms on the internet. And there's even CDs and vinyl that are going to be hard to get, and you're going to have to you're going to have to wait it out and, and check the website. Follow them on social media for that. I mean, not as hard yeah. to get as one of those fishing passes, but definitely yeah. hard to get, especially mm-hmm. the vinyl stuff. Um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think I might have to be like at midnight with with the credit card and all that stuff and, and my reserve pass, like on the website, trying to get that vinyl for Arise from Worms. Oh yeah, yeah. Cutting that out. <laughs> but you don't have to wait till midnight if you want to log on to the computer and go to heavyholepodcast.com. Check us out there on the social medias. Maybe mm-hmm. even join up on the Patreon, which we are working Ooh. on. I take full credit for stalling out on you guys and leaving you hanging for your bonus Patreon content uh, that I am um, capitalizing and ripping you off on at this point. We got yeah, I got to get some episodes up. Yeah, well, you owe the Patreon folks something. And, I'm a piece uh, of shit. I'm a hu- I'm a I'm sorry. I wasn't gonna say it. I'll but, I'll uh, see myself out, guys. I'm sorry. Justin's yeah, back. We don't need. Yeah, that. it's all good, man. I, you know, just, at first I tried Mustad, and they're like their holes are like kind of a little bit bigger. But then I was using the <laughs> then like Gamagatsu, like really, like it's a nice thickness, good and sharp. And okay. then listen, it's really nice. Listen, we know, we know what it's like. But do you have candy? Do you have metal flake candy apple? Painted uh, uh, reels and rods. That's what I want to know. The paint does not chip. Withstands that salt water, that turbulent sea air, salty sea air. Sunny Lombardozzi, Halo Custom Guitars, the the uh, Art- Artemisia line. Absolute beauts. Yeah, go check them out. Uh, in all seriousness, we appreciate him and his time. We wish him the best of luck in the future and with this project and anything else he does. Be sure to peep him out online. There's guitar tutorials and things he's done on the internet. There's ongoing mm-hmm. things in social media he's going to be doing coming up that he was talking about. We appreciate that man's time. Good project, man. Absolutely. Um, I'll just do it now, though, because if you have a voicemail, you should call 631-837-3274. <laughs> ripping the Band-Aid off. Wow. Call the number. <laughs> so let us know what you're thinking. <laughs> Sounds a little hot right now. guess I'll just uh, yeah. turn this segue off that I had idling. Mm-hmm. I won't need it now. I've been sitting here for six hours while you guys talk about fishing. <laughs> ah. Waiting to say a phone number. All right. Maybe, all right, I'll, maybe all right. I'll just text you or something. Like Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom's stewing over there, just waiting to drop the stewing. phone number. I kind of like that, though. I Do like it. that. You, like, I always want you to drop that number. So hit us up with the voicemail. Uh, Sonny was so generous with his time. I don't think we need to play any more voicemails tonight. We're going to keep that weird one on the deck. But um, 
you can call that number that Tom just to- talked about. We could do heavyholepodcast.com for all the social medias mm-hmm. and the Patreon that I'm Boom. ripping you guys off. So seriously, though, I do owe you. I think there's still um, some patches up for sale in there, too, if you want to, you know. Patches, yes. What sewing about, on your ass. What about, <laughs> <laughs> what about stickers, though? What's what, up? Do we have stickers what left? About, we no, had the packs. We right? got no stickers left. No, nope. oh, we're done. We ain't. We're out of stickers. Yeah, because I, you know, this came to my attention. Uh, big shout to Tim, uh, Timothy G out there on the email, emailing us. Love the podcast, guys. Longtime fan. Would love to know if more stickers are being made available. Want to put one on my laptop? Actually, it says laptop. Mm. Like the, he said, laptop. The this man must be a scientist. Cheers yeah. and happy New Year's, duders. So yeah, I thought is he it a said, DJ. He's like, uh, you know, he's got his lab. You know, you got the lab, lab case. Yeah. You know, what I mean, in the lab. Beats it could making. also be that he wants to put a heavy hole podcast sticker on the roof of his laboratory. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. So the satellites can see it. Yeah. Shout or, out to the James Webb. Or he might have a Labrador retriever, and he wants to. Why would don't. Don't buy heavy whole podcast paraphernalia and put it on your dog unless your dog is consenting to that. Or we're, you know, like stuffed or something. But you could, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll do stickers again, right? Yeah. Maybe some we're, big stickers, smaller ones. We what am I going to your... say? No? Well, I'm looking at <laughs> What are we you? saying? No? Yeah. <laughs> what are we saying? What are we saying? No, no. We say yes. You get yeah. the small ones put we're... on your Erlenmeyer flask yeah. like everyone does, all the cool kids. It's time. More heavy hole stickers, more heavy hole merch. Maybe it's we'll time. even drop maybe there'll be a new heavy hole merch drop coming yeah. up. I don't that's that's your department. You know, the email was something. You know, emails are kind of slow. They could take a day or two, but you know, uh-huh. but but as bit you know, uh, proven true by past episodes, the voicemails get immediate results, like the number that Tom said earlier by himself. But yeah. I remember it. I mean, I remember the number. How could you not? I, I'm a lost. Are we talking about <laughs> fishing still? What's going on? Uh, no, we're talking about uh, we're talking about engagement. We're talking about numbers. We're I, talking about graphs, and we're gonna get the stickers sent to you real soon. I, are you? You're already you're already getting married. I knew you were getting married. Yeah. You guys are both engaged. I'm married already. Tom's yeah. married. What? You Tom got married. Tom yeah. got married. Yeah. yeah. Are you married? No, I'm working on the uh, wedding invitations right now, and I hate looking at my name. All right, I'm married to the game. Respect. One.